Hey gang, <laughs> we are going to talk about kooky and ooky in families. This is Stacy Julian coming to you at the very end of October with episode 92 of Exactly Enough Time. from its title, this is a podcast about productivity. And while I love to rock a day and get stuff done, exactly enough time is much more about being present. It's about recognizing the time you have and making the most of it. It's about choosing to be playful and living with intention, curiosity, and connection. It's about owning what you love and bringing more of whatever that is into your life. In this podcast, I tell stories, I share ideas and solutions, and I leave you feeling empowered to do those things that will bless your outlook because you have exactly enough time. Hello, my wonderful friends. Thank you for tuning in. Okay, so the Adams Family originally was created as a cartoon by Charles Adams, and it first appeared in the New Yorker magazine in 1938. That theme song was written by Victor Mizzy for the 1964 TV series. And I believe it is a perfect intro for today, but not just because I'm publishing this episode two days before Halloween. Here's the truth about the Adams, you guys. The entire family is so blissfully and wonderfully unaware of how bizarre they are, they are truly free to be their own people, and they don't really care what others think. <laughs> As a family, they are their own creation, and they unapologetically create their own kind of fun. It flows through their family. <laughs> and that is what I want to talk about today. Fun and flow in families. Especially now as this super weirdo year begins to wind down. All the novelty about this novel coronavirus has completely worn off, right? And most of us feel, at least some of the time, totally exhausted by the dragging on of it. Well, I am and have been for a long time intrigued by the domain of positive psychology. And Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi is the undisputed expert when it comes to flow or optimal experience. So I'm going to read you something from page four of his book that is titled Flow. Getting control of life is never easy, and sometimes it can be definitely painful. But in the long run, optimal experiences add up to a sense of mastery, or perhaps better, a sense of participation in determining the content of life. That comes as close to what is usually meant by happiness as anything else we can conceivably imagine. I have been thinking about this episode for many months, and I really love this idea of coming together as individuals in a family in an effort to 
participate in determining the content of life. From my perspective, there is one thing that is most consistently intertwined with my life, and that is my family. My family, to a large extent, is my life. And I'm eager, always, to improve our collective experience and the time we share. I want to feel flow, as I mentioned before, in my family life. And today, with some ideas from listeners, I am hoping to create a space for you where, as you listen, you can think about your own family circumstances and how you might, even in the midst of a pandemic, enhance your interactions and create a more consistent sense of well-being. I want to start with the idea of vision. Have you ever thought about the vision you have for your family? You probably have. Business leaders tout the importance of a clear company vision, and this is certainly not a new idea applied to families. The good news is, I think you can have a whole lot of fun putting this idea into place and into practice. Steve Jobs spoke to the essential nature of a vision when he said, if you are working on something exciting that you really care about, think family, you don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. So a vision at its core is simply how you think about something and what you believe about its potential. Now, there are resources galore in books and online about creating a family vision, but I'm going to highlight three easy ways to begin to think differently about the people in your home. And all three of these can play into this idea of a larger vision. Okay, so number the first idea is adopt a mascot. The second idea is create a motto. And number three, choose a group name. So a couple of episodes back, my friend Brittany Beatty was on the podcast with me. And she has an awesome website called Family Fed. And one of her recent ideas talked about adopting a family mascot. And this is what she says in her post. I never knew how powerful a family mascot was until our family developed one unknowingly. It all started over 10 years ago when my parents decorated a sibling's front lawn with pink flamingos for April Fool's Day. A short time later, those same flamingos made their way to another family member's yard. And before we knew it, flamingoed became a new verb in our extended family dictionary. Whenever we would flamingo the yard with our now-traveling flamboyance, hold on to that idea, of pink lawn decor, that decor, by the way, now includes not only the classic plastic flamingos, but also inflatable flamingos, some over four feet tall, and door covers. And if you need a flamingo that dances to its own music, we have one of those too. Anyway, over time, flamingos have become our extended family symbol, especially among the women. Flamingo is the equivalent of the word love in our family. So you can imagine our excitement when the flamingo emoji was created. And we could seemingly say, quote, Boy, am I grateful for this incredible family in a group text with a single emoji or icon. Not only can we use the flamingo emoji to capture a feeling of love and gratitude when we share it with each other, but whenever I'm in the store and see flamingo decor or shirts or blankets, I'm immediately filled with love for my family. 
I think there are many very good things that happen in families that started out as happy accidents. And that's true for me with the next idea, which is a motto or a mission statement. So years ago, before all of my children had even arrived, I think I had just two little boys, maybe three, I started sending them off with this, be good, kind, and honest. So whether they were headed out the door or I was dropping them somewhere, those were more often than not my final words. I would say, be good, kind, and honest. I knew for sure that this had actually stuck one day when I was vacuuming my oldest son's bedroom. He was now a sophomore in high school, so it had been many years. I pulled the vacuum and most of the cord all the way into his room. I turned around and closed his door. (gasps) And there, on the back of his bedroom door, was a piece of typing paper taped with scotch tape. And there was a big quote printed with actual quote marks. And the quote was, Be good, kind, and honest. And the quote was credited to Stacy Julian. What? Trust me when I say my vacuuming chore got easier after that. So again, a motto can be the result of a formal effort or it can just informally evolve like Brittany's mascot did and our family motto. There's a good chance you already have a motto or a mission statement and you simply need to recognize it and make it official. So regardless of how you get it, the key is to have fun with it. Repeat it often and make it visible in your home. Our family motto is now displayed with big wooden letters on kind of a half wall in our living room. And it's kind of in code. You're just going to have to come to the show notes and see the picture that I will post there. But I basically have just hung the letters so that there are no spaces. So it's kind of difficult to make out. It looks like just some crazy foreign word or something. So visitors often stare at it for long periods of time and then finally say, is that supposed to mean something? And then we're able to tell them that's our family motto and we help them read it. In his book, The Secret of Happy Families, Bruce Feiler shares four questions to ask yourself when determining a family motto or mission statement. Question number one, what words best describe our family? Number two, what is most important to our family? Number three, what are our strengths as a family? And number four, what sayings best capture our family? Some tips that he shares, make it authentic, keep it concise, keep it positive, emphasize what the family should do, make the drafting of it a special occasion, display it in a prominent place. Okay, idea number three, a group name. I am certain that you're familiar with the name given to a group of lion. It's a pride, right? Whales move in pods And a family of wolves is called a pack. (laughs) What is your family called? When members of your immediate family gather, what should we refer to them as? So animal group names date back to medieval times when a list of collective terms for animals first appeared, ready for this, in the book of St. Albans, printed in 1486. Did you know that porcupines are called a prickle? Pandas are an embarrassment and hummingbirds a charm. 
You can refer to a group of zebras or zebras as a herd, but a dazzle is also correct. A herd of elephant can also be called a parade or a memory. And maybe you picked up from what I read from Brittany that a group of flamingos is a flamboyant. Okay, like the Adams family, my family, my immediate Julian clan is kind of kooky, which means we're informal. We're a little strange slash eccentric. Um, yes, it's true. We are. <laughs> we are all very different. A fact that I credit to genetics and the strong personality traits possessed by my husband and I that happen to be polar opposites. But here's the deal. These differences mean that there is always someone well-suited to any situation and we laugh easily about our collective oddities. So a group of Julians is now called a jolly. A jolly of Julians. (laughs) It fits, you guys, because we are generally cheerful and good-humored. A couple of months ago, I challenged my two sisters to give their family members a group name. And they thought about it, and we discussed it, and some really fun results have emerged. So first of all, my sister Darcy Dowdle has a family that is very active, especially outdoors. They love to hike and go mountain biking and skiing. Her kids play tennis and soccer, and they don't just play tennis and soccer. Like, they're the the star, you know, of the teams that they are on. And Dowdles are super competitive, too. They are total athletes and fitness geeks, and they're good at all of it. So we have decided that a group of Dowdles is a sport. Isn't that cute? A sport of Dowdles. I had also suggested champion, but that sounded a little too pretentious for my very humble sister. But guess what? My nephew Ty just took fourth place in the entire state of Utah on a mountain bike. So I'm kind of still a fan of a champion of Dowdles, (laughs) although I think a sport of Dowdles is what will probably stick. Okay, so my sister, Shanda Sider, who was a guest on my podcast just last spring, she came on talking about her incredible creative approach to summer break that is called Camp Sider, okay, is super smart. Like Shanda herself is a nurse and she is currently applying to be a, an organizational guru, specialist, expert with, with the KonMari approach. So she's a mother of five, super involved in her community, homeschooling her kids, you know, organizing other people's houses. I mean, you get the idea. Her husband works in marketing and product development. Their kids are incredible readers and artists. My niece, Liberty, just happens to be a scrapbooker, making her aunt Stacy very proud. And let me tell you, since we are just days away from Halloween, that the ciders create the most incredible, clever, and envious group costumes I have ever seen. Okay, and I, and I will post some pictures of those in the show notes. But for all of these reasons and more, a group of ciders is now known as a genius. <laughs> Isn't that good? A genius of ciders. That seems to just encompass the amount of intellectual power and natural ability that is present with them. So what will you call a group of your people? People in your family, when they get together, what should we refer to them as? 
Whatever it is, let it truly reflect your collective ookiness. <laughs> and while you think about it, I'm going to play you two speak pipe messages. Hey, Stacy, Amy McGrew here, and I just got done listening to episode 77 and hearing the answers to some personal questions. At the end of the podcast, you said you wanted some suggestions on how you implement family fun. And I am a mom of young adult children. Um, one is uh, going to be a senior in college this year, has his own apartment. My middle is going into her second semester of junior year of college, and my youngest is going to be a senior in high school. So throughout COVID, we have quarantined with our two girls, our, our two younger children, and I wanted to get back to and take advantage of this lockdown time to spend quality time together. And I came up with this crazy idea that I thought my girls and husband would laugh at, but they totally embraced it. And when we think of the summer of 2020, we think of our weekly themed family dinners. Each week, a different family member was in charge of hosting it, um, came up with a theme, um, decorations, a menu, activities, and whatnot. And I thought we were going to do it for four weeks so each of us would have one turn. But it was the girls who wanted to keep it going. And we kept it going for three months. And we were actually kind of sad when we had our last family-themed dinner. Um, the conversation and the connections we made each week was um, priceless. And just the anticipation every week of wondering what the next theme was and what the food was going to be and the opportunity to try new recipes and just serve each other was awesome. And we did include my oldest. Uh, we created a flat tucker, if you will, kind of like the flat Stanley children's book. We blew up a picture of him and put him on a stick and he was in all of the family pictures and he even joined us on FaceTime when his schedule allowed. So that was a really fun, unexpected way that we came together and made happy moments out of COVID-19. Hi, Stacy. This is Destiny. One of the ways I create fun for my family is buying board games secondhand at thrift stores that I think will be fun for us. It's a low investment and we get a great return on our fun. Thanks for all you do. I love both of these ideas so much. You know, in all of the reading I've done in preparation for today's episode and the conversations I've had, what I've taken away is that family fun, right? Or this idea of flow in families happens in very simple ways. It starts with a clear vision, just how we think about who we are and what's important to us. And then it's simple things like making a dinner a little bit more special than it might normally be. And like stopping at a secondhand store and picking up a new board game. Thank you, Amy and Destiny, so much for sending me those speak pipe messages. I love you. So another recent guest, Laura Wansick, actually years ago, kind of reimagined a board game. She started with the game Guess Who. If you haven't played it, you sit opposite your opponent and you each can look at a selection of probably 24 people, like people's faces. And you each have one of those people that is selected. 
the, uh, your opponent is trying to guess which of all the people they can see is the person that is your person. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but Laura did this really fun thing. Instead of using the faces that the game came with, she replaced those faces with personalities in this, the, the paper crafting space. And I just thought that was so clever. I actually went out and did like Destiny did. I bought me a used guess who game. My plan, which I haven't yet executed, is to replace those faces with photos of family members and particularly cousins. So instead of playing the game guess who, you would be playing the game guess which cousin. I've thought of doing something similar with Twister. So imagine instead of having a big mat with a row of red dots and yellow dots and green dots, you would have a row of aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents. And then your spinner <laughs> would tell you, you know, to put your right hand on grandpa or a grandparent and put your left leg on a cousin. All right, you get the idea. It's our opportunity to take something that's quite ordinary, dinner, a board game, and personalize it and make it just a little bit special. So speaking of just a little bit special, here's an idea called Family Days. And I've been doing this for four or five years and I love it. So basically you start with every member of your family with their birth date. So my husband was born on the 15th of May. That means that now every time the 15th of the month rolls around, it's Jeff Day. And my son Clark was born on the 24th. So the 24th is Clark Day. Addie was born on the 1st, and my granddaughter, Audrey, was born on the 1st. So now, in just a couple of days, it will be Audrey and Addie Day. Now, when it's someone's day, then I post a picture on social media or in our family group chat. We send messages or funny videos. Sometimes, if they're with me, I will make them a special meal or take them. I take Addie and get her, you know, a treat at Dairy Queen on Addie Day. And, and for my kids that aren't with me, I can send them, I sent Chase last month a Cafe Rio gift card, or I sent Laura and my daughter-in-law some popcorn. It was delivered from Amazon Fresh. What I love about family days is the opportunity to just think about that person. And I'm not 100%. Some days I completely don't even realize that you know someone's day has come and gone. But more often than not, it gives me an opportunity to write a blog post or, you know, again, an Instagram post or something like that to call attention, if only in my mind and in our own family circle, the fact that today is the same date that someone in our family was born. When my kids were babies, well, more like when they were toddlers, I would start working on a little song for them. Just kind of a short ditty that I could sing to them whenever. And I am not a singer. So prepare yourself. But I'm going to sing you just a little bit of Trey's song. It goes like this. Baby, baby, give me your answer true. I think maybe I'll go crazy chasing you. You run around all day, such a busy tray. That's where I can't sing. But oh, so cute and what a hoot. I'm forever in love with you. Okay, that's like poorly sung to the tune of Bicycle Built for Two, right? And of course, that's something that the little kids might enjoy or appreciate a little bit more than the adult children. But I cannot tell a lie, I still sometimes sing my big boys their songs. One thing that I have done that's been really fun is just to have 
a certain phrase that I whisper to certain kids over and over again. So for my Taft, primarily, I would very often whisper in his ear, don't tell the others, but you're my favorite. (laughs) And of course, it's not true technically, but it was something that he and I shared. And, And he needed that extra little vote of confidence, right? Whispered in his ear that he might just be mom's favorite. I love the quote, there are shortcuts to happiness and dancing is one of them. That's Vicki Baum, who is an Austrian writer. But you guys, dance party, I know you do this. But playing upbeat music is an immediate mood booster. And talk about playing music in the car as well. Addie and I have just a few favorites that we play literally every time we get in the car to run errands. This is one of them. I recently watched a vidcast with Mike Rucker, PhD, who is currently writing a book called Fun Habits. And he reminded me of something that I believe. Your perception of whether something is fun depends on your mindset, ability, and skills. The environment as well as those around you, your relationships. For example, taking public transportation can be a tedious, mind-numbing activity if you're headed to work. If you're headed to a concert with a group of friends, though, it can be the ride of a lifetime. Spending time together chatting while excitedly anticipating the show. In layman terms, a ton of fun. What is clear is that fun is a subjective construct. What seems to be fun to one person might be perceived differently by somebody else. Therefore, perhaps the most relevant question is, how do you define fun? And how do you choose to see ordinary, everyday moments? Roald Dahl says, A little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest men. If you happen to listen to this episode before Halloween and you know that trick-or-treating will not be a part of your celebration this year or it will look very different, why not get creative with those fun size candy bars and craft your family or someone in your family a message? Kind of like when you make those big candy bar posters, why not stick candy bars to the bathroom mirror or a bedroom door? Leave someone you love a different kind of Halloween message. Of course, I can't let you go without mentioning stories. Robin Fivish, who is a professor of psychology at Emory University, says, and on the lighter side, which is where we need to hang out consciously, especially lately, family stories can be fun. Stories about great adventures and funny escapades help people relax and laugh together. We are living in close quarters and tensions run high. Laughter is really good for us. Laughing together reminds us how much we care about each other. And laughing actually boosts our immune systems. We are indeed living in unnerving times. We may need to physically social distance, but the stories will keep us close. Okay, I have one more speak pipe message for you. I love the story that this family is telling. 
Hi, Stacy. This is Katie from Carlsbad, California. When you asked your listeners to send in their ways they have created family fun, I've thought long and hard about what we do. I have three kids, two teenage girls, and a tween boy. We do some of the typical family things, play board games, do puzzles, watch old TV shows together. One thing we did over the summer was build a deck in our backyard. Together on the weekends, we demoed, learned how to use jackhammers and bobcats, cut down trees with axes and a chainsaw, dug trenches, put in electrical and gas lines, dug up a lot of roots, and finally made a substructure for the deck and laid the boards. While the work was hard and at times very stressful, sitting outside on our deck now that we built ourselves was all worth it. Of course, we have taken lots of photos and videos along the way, and together, my oldest and I are working on a scrapbook. Thank you for asking such a great question. I can't wait to hear what other people are doing. Katie, I absolutely believe that your family will sit around for years to come on that deck and tell this story again and again. There isn't much that is better than working with the people you love on something worthwhile. When asked for his recipe for happiness, Sigmund Freud gave a very short but sensible answer. Work and love. Again, from the book Flow, it is true that if one finds flow in work and in relations with other people, one is well on the way toward improving the quality of life as a whole. In my church, we often reference a document called the Family Proclamation, and I'm going to just read you my favorite paragraph. Successful marriages and families are established and maintained on principles of faith, prayer, repentance, forgiveness, respect, love, compassion, work, and wholesome recreational activities. Okay, you guys, this is a very upside-down time, but it's a time in which we're invited because of the circumstances to look differently at our lives and at our family life. What can we invent or reinvent that will help us have more fun and allow that fun to flow into and through the relationships we have with our family members? I'm so grateful to Amy and Destiny and Katie for the ideas and insight they shared. All three of them will be receiving a story starter kit from the Story by Stacy line. That is my product line in partnership with Close to My Heart. So grateful for Close to My Heart as well for them sponsoring this aspect of my podcast. I love hearing from you. Let me know if you... Take anything from this episode and adapt it to you and your life. Are you going to create a family mascot or maybe come up with a motto or a mission statement or decide what to call a group of family members? When you plan a theme dinner or purchase a used board game to play with your kids or come up with some awesome work project that you do together, I want you to take a picture and share it with me or post it to social media and tag me at Stacy Julian. You could use the hashtag exactly enough time podcast. I want to hear all about it. Okay, go have a happy Halloween. Be safe as we kick off the 2020 holiday season. Just promise me you'll come back next Thursday for another episode of Exactly Enough Time.